0: at LuckyLandSlots.com.
1: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: From the 5th Quarter studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday, episode 685 of Coach Unplugged. We're going to talk Part two today with the uh, coach and talk about his pressure. Um, before we do that, I'd like to give a big shout out to two sponsors. First of all, teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. I'm going to just be honest. Last week we had our sale in about two weeks. Once we, once, once Matt and my Matt and myself, my programmer and I get everything situated with our uh, site, prices are going to be increasing by about 25%. Um, I'm just going to tell you, if you're thinking of joining, jump in. Um, you know Everything's going to be going up. Um, part of it is, um, I want people accountable. Part of it is, um, I want to keep the, the, the size where I can, you know, you email me, I will respond right away. Um, but if you jump in now, your prices will be consistent for the rest of your membership, uh, life, I guess. I, I don't know what you call it. Um, so Dr. Dish is, uh, you know, the Dr. Dish home is a great thing. You don't get the $350 discount on it, but if you're looking looking for a, a shooting machine, that might be something you look at. I personally would go up a grade, get $350 off, and then, um, yeah, have it in your, I, I, I know several people that have them in their front yards, and they're a great machine. So go over and check it out, and let's head off to the podcast.
1: Go, that's the run and jump. And so, you know, you're, you're in Forrest Larson area and Eddie Andrist, uh two guys that have done this really, really well. And anything I've got from the run and jump, I've got from those two Wisconsin guys. Right. But you know, X3 comes and traps when the ball handler, when he sees the back of the ball handler's head, when the ball handler can't see him coming. Um, and then everybody's on a on a clock, basically. When they see, when X3 yells, go, everybody knows we're in the running running trap. Actually, so what's X1? Top.
0: X1's trying to, the, the one's trying to keep him on the sideline.
1: Right. And then he jumps up ahead and, and stops his forward progress to get the guy to turn. And when the guy goes to turn with his left hand, X3 shut in the door there. And so if we can get that turn and he goes to turn back to the middle of the court to pack it, Pass it back to X4, and he's you know he's going from his right hand trying to pass with his left hand. That's where crossing your arms really really helps. I mean, what kind of pass is he going to make? You know, from right there. If everybody rotates like they're supposed to, you see that three over here is the only one that's open. And if they're crossing their arms and they're applying ball pressure, there's no way that one is going to be able to pass to three. Right.
0: What I tell my players too is like if you get that trap there on that elbow extended, there's only three places that we need to take the three. passing lanes away the right. one down the sideline the one in the middle and the one back the long one okay well if we're getting a good enough trap they're not going to see that um, right so it's always, again- always yeah let's wait trap on the side
1: And again, I have them going, you know, to the ball handler's right. But if you can get them going left and and doing this, you know, which you can over the course of a game, you know, it's even more effective. Here's my stunts. Um, I've got a couple different ways that I have stunted. And so this first way was really helpful for me when I was in high school. I coached a girls team for only one year and we won a championship doing this type of stuff. But I got tired of them missing practice for horseback riding lessons and ballet lessons and all that. So I was not like Mike Neighbor. I could I could not stick with it. It, it drove me crazy. I call it Mom uh, stands for just moving one man. And I just have my X3 change between. He's on the front of the one two two press. He's in the middle of my two one two press. And he's at the back of my two two one. And so the box portion of all three of those zone presses, their responsibilities basically stay the same. And when you're at a high school level, you know, coaching girls, middle school level, whatever, simplicity. Sometimes there's genius and simplicity well and the thing
0: is those all look different for the coaches they do they do but
1: you can do this with very little practice time you just teach the box their responsibilities and so here i have the the diagram x3 is up there on the front you know it's got to be your most versatile player You know, if you're probably don't want somebody five ten, but if they can be over six feet, you know, they can effectively run, I think, all three spots of this, you know, at at the high school male level. Um middle of the two one two.
0: And who do you have who do you have trapped? Go back to the two two one two. Who traps on a two one two? The one in the three?
1: Well, I'm gonna show you that here. Okay. So I use I use a lot of my two two one to to really set up my, my two one two. Okay. Uh, so that's the back of the two-two-one, and if you if you want to do that group of stunts, I think just doing that for a lot of people can can really create problems for for your opponent. So, like I said at the outset, I don't think doing all of these in one season is feasible for anybody at any level. I've just put together a package of things.
0: But you do think a high school team could do these three stunts?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah because okay, I think this would freak I I think that would freak a lot of high school teams out because yeah. it's basically three they they think you're running three different presses
1: and you know, one of the things I did when I coached high school was so this is an odd front. So if the score on the scoreboard was odd, we would run this. And right. if it was even, we would run a two, two, one. And you know, let's say if it was a zero or a five, if it got to one of those scores, we would run a two one two. Two. And so whatever I did that year, whatever year it was, you know, those those kids would know. And so I just gave them an easy way to change without me having to call timeouts or yell it from the sideline. You know, that's really hard to pick up up on scouting when when somebody is changing their press and why they're not going to know when if are looking on film they're not going to know that you changed it according to what was on the scoreboard that was just one way i thought of i've like also that. held up oh yeah motivated- i mean
0: it also depends on the type of team you have for the listeners right. like i've had teams yeah. that i've been able to do you know make misses i've been able to do Left side, right side, but you gotta be like they gotta be. They gotta be thinking the game. I yeah, it that, that really depends on your team.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct on that. And I, I've laminated uh, stuff and just held laminated signs like football coaches do yeah. on the sideline. And you know, if you look at this right here, it's just an X, and so you just have an X there and a box if you want a two-two-one or you know something like that. And it's it's easy. All right, so these are some of the fun ones that are that you get to do out of a two-one-two two alignment. Gone. If you've already been doing a 2, two one, and now you have X3 come and, come and be the trapper, X1 and X3 are the trapper, um, X3 gives the now call, X4 is now taking that sideline fast, we're in the previous in the 2, two one, it was right. X5 taking it. That's just a simple look, as you can see in the second diagram. You know, when you're not expecting, when you're expecting that trap to come from X4 and it's not, you know, that that's that's one simple change up. I like and, that. You know, it just messes with them. I really like this one flash. With all of these, I put why, why I would change to this during a game or why I would do this. So in this one, X4 does flash up. X3, if you're looking at that ball handler, that ball handler doesn't see x3 coming down the sideline so as he's making that pass two is going to look really really open and if you have that good x3 there that really messes with people when they never know who the trapper or the interceptor is going to be right that's why i put x3 slide It's not a normal rotation as a sideline interceptor and so if a coach we're gonna if your opponent we're gonna try to go against this stuff in practice you would force them to eat up a ton of practice time to be able to handle all this stuff and so i go back to all of this is just geared on breaking the other team's practice habits and right you know it's not really that difficult to learn if these are the stunts you choose you know Morgan Wooten just the basic instead of x4 guarding the inbounder he's just playing center field and the other two guys are in denial and he's really just looking for anything over the top uh why would I use that I just use that when we're behind or when I really just want to speed up the game, game. even if we're If we're not behind if i feel it's not at the pace that i want to play and people are really trying to slow us down then i might put this in for a couple possessions and these are some other good ones when i talk about remote control and getting people to To inbound it and then do what I want to do. Uh, These are the things that I do that look like one thing when they start. It always looks like a one, two, one, one. And then it gets into my two, two, one or two, one, two. And it's super easy. You know, you could teach these in one day at practice. And I have all the whys here. Look at the read first. Read is just looks like a basic one, two, one, one press. And once the ball goes in, you know, I usually do this at the beginning of the game if I'm not that familiar with my opponent or they haven't faced much press when I play them and so I don't have a whole lot of film on, on what they're gonna try to do against the press I'll just throw that out there and see what they like to do who their ball handlers are, are and all that and once the ball's in I may stay just stay in straight man to man or I might go to a normal one two one one zone press and just show a trap or two and none of that is my intention. It's really just to figure out some things about their team and make them think that that's what I'm going into. So that sets up stay. Four doesn't – the inbound defender doesn't allow the ball to be passed back to four. Why would I use that? Either four is really good or one is really bad. If I don't want the (laughs) ball to go back to four, I'll make one, you know, I'll make one be the one that brings it up. And if, uh, you know, four is really good, same thing. I don't want him to, to constantly beat us. So none of these are things that you can stay with for an entire game, but it goes back to never let them beat you the same way twice. And if if passing back to four uh, has toast, you know has has toasted you, you know take that away and make one who's uncomfortable bringing it up according to what his coach has been telling him in practice. Make him bring it up against pressure. Um, I, like I write here, I often use it in the second half or after a dead ball situation where Uh, because sometimes I want to put the right people in place and so Um, or I don't want to coach at halftime to be able to show them some answers against it so I tend to use it in the second half where they'll have to burn a timeout if they want to do something against it Uh, squeeze we want to make four look open when four looks open x3 is coming from the blind side to steal that inbound pass Um, like you and I were talking about we take away the the three most logical passes right there and so now you've got and high
0: school kids really want to pass it back and reverse it they They really do. do
1: everything Again, these are all really simple things, and it's not even a one-two-one-one one, one trap. It's showing that, but it's not really what it is. You're 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 really just stunting by showing that one, that read, that one, two, one, one first. And that all that read is doing is setting up these different things um, to be able to, to mess with them a little bit. I love having more timeouts than the other coach at the end of the game. I love seeing him <laughs> yelling at his players and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, these two right here, these last two stunts that are more out of a two-two-one set or they, they go back into a two-to-one again they look like they're out of a one-two-one-one one, one. the inbound defender just simply comes back he looks like he's in a one-two-one-one one, one. it gets into one right there and you're, you're right into two, a two-two-one two, one press and then a slide same thing except your two slides back your your inbound defender comes up and gets the ball and really that just messes with people they they wonder what you're doing Um, they tend to try to reverse it. And if I see that they're going to keep reversing it, then I go back to that squeeze play and and we look to take that away. And so really it's just dance steps. It's nothing that's too intricate. I've just, you know, I I give credit in all these slides and at the end of this presentation to, you know, none of this stuff is really original with me. The only thing I think I've This is what I was going to ask you
0: too, this, the drill stuff. How much much time do you spend on specific press- in practice and then how much do you drill it like this, this and can you explain go go through those drills real quick okay. just briefly explain those
1: um cut off the sideline drill cutting off the sideline this leads into our our best trapping drill so this is one defender against two offenders um, as soon as he gets it in he's got to cut that guy off the ball goes back to the inbounder and that end has to try to get up. We've got cones placed along there, and okay. that end bander has to try to get up to that cone. And that defender has to leave where he just was was at, which simulates going out of a trap. Uh, and he's got to run up, and he's got to be a trapper on the other side. So he's got to get his nose up ahead of the ball. He can't buddy run. He's just got to pick out the angle on the court where that guy's going to get to. And so because we've got a cone up there uh, somewhere, you know, around this level, you know, he this guy he knows this guy's not going to screw up the drill and start dribbling back towards the middle of the court that's not the idea he's just trying to get here before the defender does and so we do that they've got to do it four times um you know one two three four they've got to be able to do that
0: and And you uh, want him to get in front of the dribbler like to cut him off yeah
1: this guy's job is to straddle the sideline because you can step out of bounds the offensive guy can't so When we added our trapper to that, they're constantly going from being the two that are in the the guys that are in the trap uh, to the guys sprinting out of the trap uh, coming together to bring that that L together and so to me it's the best trapping drill I do you know it, it's tiring the guys really like it because I make it competitive uh, you know blue against white you know we score it at the end so it'll be all blue going against all white for ten possessions and then we'll we'll flip it around and you know they really take pride in it and it teaches them to communicate because two trappers basically are, are like two people trying to herd a, a sheep. You can't do that if you're silent out in a huge field somewhere. If two cowboys were trying to herd sheep, they would they would communicate. They would actually bring their arms together and kind of scoot that guy towards the sideline. And so it really builds the the now call, the L trap, shutting the door, the last guy. You know, when the first guy stops forward progress, the other guy comes and he slams the door shut. It really works on doing that. Uh, it's way better than You know, if you look at it, it looks like the old fashioned zigzag drill, but it's way better than the zigzag drill. Uh, UConn, you know, I just break down, uh, I start with the two positions. And so this is how we rotated this year. I just break down the responsibilities, you know, when to stunt, how to fake, where we want to trap right there across half court. I break down all of that. And then I just. I have X1, take X4's position, X4 goes off the court, and everybody that comes in has to play all the positions as I'm teaching it, even if I I don't end up doing it throughout the year. As I'm putting it in, I want them to know what everybody's supposed to do, because you never know if they're going to have to do it in a game.
0: Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Please go over and check our website, teachhoops.com, for coaches who want to get better. Uh, 14-day free trial. It's got it's got office hours. It's got one-on-one calls. It's got handouts. It's got practice plans. It's got how to do just. It's a it's got a roadmap for you. That's what you need a roadmap. Um, to so go over and check that out. Again, it helps us keep the lights on. It helps us keep this 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 uh train a chugging Um, subscribe and like we would love that Um, if you love these podcasts especially on apple and spotify if you leave us a five-star review we would really appreciate that all right let's head back to the podcast so
1: then we built that up with a third man you know if you if you choose this as your rotation that five man's got to take away the sideline pass and so you know my rotation would be one takes four spot four takes five spot five steps off the court you see in my notes there they learn when to say now uh, how to take it away all the communication that we as coaches say is most important. Yeah. <laughs> I'm am t- I'm telling them what to say and when to say it. What they're looking at to know when to make that call.
0: Right. Don't assume they can do it. That's what I tell the young coaches. Right. If you don't tell them what to do, don't assume any. It's like it's like why aren't they leading? Well, it's because they don't know how to lead. You have to teach them how to lead. Like it's the same thing with talking.
1: These are some of the things that we're doing in that first 20 minutes where I say it's player led. You know, once they know how to do it, then we do all of this 25 percent. Speed and we over communicate. I always tell them to say what you see. So if they're all saying what they see, five on this screen right here, he's seeing four and one. He's going to have the best view to say what he sees. And so those people in the back should really over communicate. And if you do it slow, it'll help them when it's fast, but you can't can't have them do it When you're going full speed, if they've never communicated well before, they can't do it when they're going full speed. They're trying to remember too much. So I think you have to teach it slow, and then I think that actually helps them get it quicker when you teach it slow at first. So you see when we have a four-man rotation, how we go through that. You know, I do this from all different angles on the court. I show this in the middle, but I start the two defenders at the blocks, uh, the offensive guy at the free throw line, and I have him dribble on whatever hand he dribbles with. I have him stay with that hand because I feel like that's more game-like. He can't keep switching back and forth between his right and left hand. That's not the way it would happen in a game against the press. And so, right, you know, I'm teaching those defenders that they're never beat um, and uh, how to flip up with their inside hand, their shoulder that's closest to the defender, how to flip up instead of swipe down to try to tap that away. And really, yeah. I would say we get probably more steals this way by somebody thinking that they beat us probably than, than almost any other way. No, before. I
0: think it's a great thing too that i mean we practice the coming from behind thing because it's gonna happen if you're pressing but it's that swipe up that they need i mean they don't practice i I don't know they just don't do that not a lot of them don't do it naturally there's a few that always do
1: but no you can't hold them to it or you can't yell at them for fouling if you've never showed them the right way to do it without fouling that tends to happen with a trap right up here or a trap over here and so we break out of that a lot, Uh, have them, you know, we, I don't have it shown here, but we actually build up, you know, I have an offensive guy and a defensive guy here. We build up to five on five out of this and have, you know, different guys come out of the, off of the sidelines to make it more realistic and you know you can use your imagination for how you would do that if he gets past you you know he is going to face another defender pretty soon and so it's really teaching offensive decision making as well as defensive decision making when practice time is limited you want your drills to cover as many things as possible implementation ideas don't try to do all of these or even half of these use the offseason to plan ahead like I said you probably know your opponents or you should know your opponents well enough to know what top three or four things will work best, will give you the most uh, return on your investment. If you think of it like a debit card, what is going to give you the most value for the for the amount of money that you spend, Right. Uh, money being time. And so uh, then number three, script different what-ifs every day. As with offense, you know, we want to get to the point by the end of the year where we're not teaching more plays, we're just teaching them how to play. You want to do the same thing from day one with your defense. And you know, in football, linemen learn how to pressure effectively, safeties learn how to make reads. And in this scenario, your linemen are your trappers and your safeties are your interceptors. And I think, you know, football coaches can do it. I think we can do it with far few players.
0: I I think we can too.
1: (laughs) Going into a game, I think it's a good idea uh, to script the first three possessions and just change your look each time. And so
0: do you do that on offense and defense?
1: I try to, I don't, I'm not going to say that I always do it, but I do it a lot. Again, if you're going to do this, you have to practice it a lot, Yeah. but it does help, you know, what will be the most effective. And like I put here, you want to play chess, not checkers. You want to be a couple moves ahead and so especially the second time that you play somebody in a season you know you can really get to the point where you're using one of these actions to set up another maybe you're using that read to set up the fact that you're going to go back and squeeze or something like that um number number two i show you what i talked about there how i how i've done it always use one alignment after a free throw and so we, we're always in a two-to-one and we may be in just a regular two-to-one or we may change a stunt free throw gives you an incredible opportunity to put people where you want them and it really kind of i started doing this just because i had a really bad free throw team i didn't want it to hurt us and so we were always we ended up doing really really well despite the fact that we didn't shoot the free throw very well use a different alignment or stunt on other dead ball situations and then like we talked about if you can get to the point where you're pressing off of misses that you really if you can, can
0: press off misses you're at a whole different level yeah
1: so john kimball's where i got a lot of my 2-1-2 stuff talked about forrest larson uh, Vance down was harrison Barnes, coach there in iowa show walter there in iowa you know really good high school coach shaka smart he was here at clemson and then when i was in the dc area he was at vcu so i've yeah, got a lot of
0: lot of great drill stuff too i've for, got, for got havoc a ton stuff.
1: of information from him andy landers he's now retired but he was the women's coach there at georgia and, and coached some really good players bob huggins box theory is you know you want to get the ball to a to the side of the court uh between the free throw lane and the sideline and once you have it in that box you want to you want to shrink that box till you get all the way to the corner you know we used to deny passes to the wing and i don't deny passes to the wing i, I want i want you, the ball that's the- where we
0: want it because the angles are better at that point to be honest right. with you to trap yeah
1: and so that's why I want, no matter what we're doing, I want the ball to cross half court on the outer third because that puts them in that box from the get-go. And the quicker I have them in that box, the better everybody on my defense can be. And again, if they're if everybody on my team is on that half of the court, then it's going to look really, really crowded and they're going to try to pass around it or pass over it and that's what you want. You don't want them to be able to pass through it. And then Rick Patino did a black white press a long time ago when he was at Providence and he did some of it at Kentucky, but it was, you know, run and trap on the sidelines. And then if the ball went middle, it was run and jump in the middle. And, you know, I haven't seen anybody do that recently, but you know, I've done that a little bit with a run and jump and that those are, these are all people that I've gotten ideas from and I've kind of combined them into one package and taken what fits me and what I can do easily. So again, I, I want to give credit where credit's due and realize that I'm not... What's, a, the,
0: what's, what's the hardest thing to teach on this?
1: Initially, you know, if they haven't been pressing very long is how to make those reads and games and, you know, get in... To that see it, see it, fix it uh, situation, and if you're pressing, you're always you're going to quickly see a problem, and then you're going to need to fix it. And it can't be, well, coach, that wasn't my responsibility. When you're pressing, like I said, you're going to keep going from one job to another really, really quickly.
0: Let's go back. Hey, put your screen back up with your um, things on. I didn't mean to cl- close that out um, with your contact stuff too. I oh, just okay. Got- Questions that we can talk to while that screens up. How much of your practice time do you use to do this?
1: You know, initially at the go to a high school, go to a high school yeah.
0: coach, no, not you with your players. When yeah. you were coaching high school and you were pressing, how much time did you have to spend in practice on this? Early, mid, late.
1: Early, I would spend, probably spend 75% of practice. You know, again, it was what I thought would bring me the most, the, the best return for my money. You know, especially being in Atlanta where everybody, a lot of people are playing football and when they're coming to basketball, they're not they're not ready to face presses and that kind of stuff. You know, I really looked at, at what was going on. I really started doing that. It helped my guys be able to face pressure and make, make reads really a lot quicker. And they ended up doing a lot of, our turnovers in the half court ended up being a lot less a lot sooner because they were facing a lot of pressure every day and so you get towards thanksgiving you have your whole team and all of that you know i start to do a little bit less at christmas uh, i'm doing even less in fact at christmas i'm 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 trying to simplify you know, you're into league play by then. A lot of people have you scouted. You've got enough film to know uh, what has really worked for you and what you need to scrap. And if something hasn't worked by Christmas, then it's not, in my mind, it's not going to work. Stop trying to force it. Just take whatever you're doing well and just get better at what you're doing well. And and so by the very fact that you, you scrap some stuff, I think simplification, you know, really makes you simple Uh, sophisticated, actually, and really difficult if you're just really good at a few things. And I think from Christmas on, you just want to be really good at a few things and just do those things well. I
0: I agree. I agree. And how did you land on this kind of press?
1: You know, I was here here locally with Oliver Purnell and, and shock on all those guys. And I really started liking that philosophy um then i moved to dc shaka came and he was at vcu so i was around his practices really picked up a lot on that and you know then in atlanta i was i was near andy lander picked up a lot of stuff from him so you know i told you that i spent some time in in wisconsin and i never did know forrest larson but i did call him and eddie andrus this was before we even had internet i I bugged those guys and they gave me diagrams and stuff like that
0: they're great guys um did you um what made you what What made you fall into that freak defense where you, after the third, you went to man? What Um, what made you land on that? I love really, that.
1: I've done that in just in college, really simply because of the shot clock. You know, if it if it Does it makes,
0: makes the, team when you change it, like that, it makes a team adjust, and there's five seconds to just figure out what you're doing.
1: You know, even at the college level, there's so many people that just want to run a system, and it's all part of the philosophy of breaking your opponent's practice habits. You know, nobody is going against this kind of stuff every day. There, there's just no way that everything that we just talked about a team <laughs> is working against, and so there might be one thing that they're prepared for and that's fine but you've got something else that you've been working on and now they've got to do that so maybe you pulled off your full court press and some of those stunts but now you're running your freak defense and there's no there's really no offense that works against it you just you just have to have better players right
0: and, and 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 do you think there is an offense you talked about like a hybrid dribble drive do you think there's an offense that correlates well with the two two one is complements it like peanut butter and jelly kind of thing
1: yeah i you might be familiar with Uh, Somebody would probably have to be a big hoop head to be familiar with. But Doug Novak is a coach in Minnesota uh, at Bethel. A D3 coach, but he used to be at Tulane and used to be at the Citadel. Uh, he's got a website, coachdugnovak.com. that's got a ton of free stuff. And he's somebody that I've spent a lot of time with. And I think Coach Lenny A. just took over at Lipscomb. Uh, he was at a D2 school at uh, University of Alabama, Huntsville. You know, those aren't two famous guys, but I guarantee you that you can learn more from those guys about offense than than probably anyone at, at any level. You know, I, I bug those guys a lot and they they both have a two-guard front that looks like you're in a dribble drive or a Princeton set. You know, they're not spending as much time teaching the drop zone and all those things that it takes to get into a dribble drive. You know, it could take a year or two for your guys to learn all that stuff. And they they really simplified it. And so when you're coming down on offense, you know, what you're constantly looking for is for the ball handler to have double gap to be able to penetrate through. And that is a dribble drive phrase. Um, but they really worked on kind of the next level of dribble drive, which is taking a lot of the Dribble out of it and really moving the ball faster with passes, and so so does it have read?
0: Does it have read and react principles in it? Then
1: yeah, it it does. If if you're familiar with the read and react, you know some of the some of the rotation principles, like a dribble at causes everybody to move clockwise, right? Like that, and so you're constantly taking away the help defender. Again, that's something that just lets your players play. It's it's letting them play out of concept. You know, we do have set plays that we that we come out of you know a lot of people do set plays and then they just get into their reactionary stuff we kind of do the opposite we do our reactionary stuff and then maybe at the end of the clock uh, we do a set play but almost everybody at our level at the end of the clock likes to do something off of a pick and roll and and we're, we're, we're trying to keep the ball moving so fast we never even get to that I'm one of the few people I know that doesn't use a lot of on-ball screening, and I just don't like to bring that other defender to.
0: The I ball. don't. I, I definitely don't at the high school level. I, that, yeah. That's one of the reasons I don't do it. Is I just don't like bringing that defender at him. You know, right. it's like
1: my philosophy is double gaps, and I'm totally screwing up my double gaps by bringing somebody up to the ball like that. I don't want to confuse my players. I don't want to confuse myself. I'm not that bright, so I just want to keep it simple.
0: And do you, and do you, does, does coach Novak call that something or does he just?
1: No, I mean, you know, he just talks about teaching concepts. What he's done is really all of their skill work and everything that they do in practice is their offense. And so I know that's kind of hard to explain and you kind of need to see it, but you know, you can go on his website and you can see the videos and then he's got PDF diagrams fast. You know, fast model diagrams of all his stuff. And you can kind of see what I mean, but they just. They build up from one on one to four on four to five on five every day. It's just a part of everything. Is teaching footwork and teaching finishes and that kind of stuff. They spend very little time actually teaching slides or, or anything like that that we would consider offense. They just teach you basically how to play off of whoever has the ball. So let's say let's say I, let's man. say
0: he was sitting where you are, and I said, "Hey, explain your offense." What would he say to me?
1: <laughs> he would say it's a, a kind of what I just said. Uh, the next version of the dribble drive. Okay. You know, we all say that the pass moves quicker than the dribble, but then you know what? High school kids, especially, if they hear dribble drive, they're going to want to dribble. And so, basically, we we have that one second philosophy. He has that one second philosophy where when you catch it, you're either going to pass it or you're going to shoot it. You know, he doesn't want you to. He wants dribbling to really be your last option. And if you think about that and how quickly the ball moves with that, it takes care of, you know, there's always one player with yeah, the that's ball, what we we ball the,
0: the reason I'm asking the question is it sounds like kind of what we ran this year because it was partially read and react, but we also had like if they're up on you, the dribble and then the rotations. Because you got to be able to attack on that on that on that dribble. I don't like that I don't like the low block on the opposite end on the read and react. Yeah. Or the dribble drive I mean mean. mean it just i I don't think the spacing of that works anymore with the game the way the games change i think you gotta almost have all five out to leave space that's interesting
1: and so what what we do what he does is you have the person in that space but as the actions start to happen then they it ends up being five out but it doesn't look like five out and so when you teach it that way anybody can be and that base that dunker spot that we talked right. about yeah okay
0: that's interesting hey everybody hope you enjoyed the podcast make sure you subscribe and like leave a review we love those five star reviews we're gonna leave a one star you can skip to the next podcast also go over and check out com for coaches who want to get better sports social podcast network lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office